Hey, it's Greg Stanley. Do you know you can now win prizes such as a Starbucks gift card, Concord tickets, or car swag for being the first to answer an entertaining trivia question? Get the weekly trivia question by following me on Instagram or Facebook at The Collector Car Podcast and just DM me your answer. The first person with the correct answer wins. Also, as a new aspect of my automotive passion and hobby, I am a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. If you need assistance consigning a collector car at Amelia Island, Pebble Beach, Auburn, West Palm, or Hershey, email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. All right, today I'm excited to introduce a special guest, Bill Rothermel. Bill, how are you doing today? Great, thanks. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. Now, I'm involved in the car world in a lot of ways, and I know you are as well in a ton of ways. So if you could, could you just kind of tell me in what ways are you involved in this wonderful uh, automotive world we live in? Well, uh, the list is uh, rather extensive, I'm happy to say. (laughs) I live a very good life when it comes to uh, the car hobby as far as that's concerned. I guess first and foremost, I'm a member of the board of directors of the AACA Museum uh, incorporated in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I am also a member of the Elegance at Hershey, which uh, last year uh, held what was really one of the greatest, obviously partial, but greatest right. concours <laughs> on the planet in uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania at the, the uh, uh, Hotel Hershey in the gardens uh, behind a, about a 75-car invited concours. Uh, we, again, we finished our ninth year last year. I was a, I am a former member of the boards of directors of the Rolls-Royce Foundation and also the Boyertown Museum of Historic Vehicles. I serve as the Master of Ceremony for numerous concours uh, throughout the United States, including Boca Raton. Uh, I mentioned the elegance at Hershey, the concours at Kopchaholm, which is at the Studebaker Museum in South Bend, Indiana, Concours of America at St. John's outside of Detroit, the Radnor Concorde Elegance, the St. Michael's Concorde Elegance, uh, the Hemmings Concorde. Wow. Um, and this year I was a color commentator at Amelia Island as well as a judge there. I judge at uh, Classic Sports Sunday in Palm Beach, the Greenwich Concorde, Greenbrier Concorde. And uh, so I have an extensive uh, list of uh, concours that I've uh, I've done currently and those that are no longer with us, uh, like wow. um, Pinehurst, the Glenmore Gathering, Monmouth County Concours, Milwaukee Masterpiece, uh, quite a few others. Um, and I'm a, a contributor to Hemmings. I have a column in uh, Hemmings Muscle Machines. I'm a regular contributor to Sports Car Market, and I'm a writer for RM Sotheby's Catalog. Yeah, that's funny. Our worlds have not crossed yet, which is kind of funny because we're doing a lot of the same stuff. We're at some of the same events, and uh, it, they finally did it, Amelia. So that's pretty cool yeah. that you're on this uh, podcast here. So hearing how it seems like your interests are very diverse when it comes to automobiles and all the different organizations you are helping out in some way, I'm assuming you have a massive collection of cars in your garage. Is that right? You're incorrect. Oh, <laughs> well, tell us about I have that. a zero collection of cars in my garage. <laughs> Which is amazing. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I think a long time ago, I recognized my limitations. I'm um, 
a perfectionist. I'm type A. I love old cars. I have no mechanical gene. However, any mechanic will tell you I can tell them exactly what's wrong with the car and how to fix it. That's a joke. <laughs> um, and uh, I just know my limitations and my tastes far exceed my wallet. So why would I torture myself relative to attempting to amass a collection of cars? So I never dabbled in collecting cars, ever. Not one. I've never owned a collector car in my entire life. I like to get in, push the button, and it goes. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to try to challenge that uh, statement there. What was the first car you ever owned? First car I ever owned uh, would have been a Honda Accord. I worked for a Honda dealer, and um, so I had many Accords in the short time I was there as an employee of the dealership. Okay, well, that statement stands in, because those are kind of becoming collectible finally, but not quite there. So I thought I would get you, darn it. I graduated from Hondas to BMWs, and I'm now on my 17th BMW and my first Jaguar. That's what's currently in my garage, a BMW and a Jag. I was hoping your first car would have been like, uh, well, you know, a slightly used 19-whatever, 73 Mustang. I don't know what had you there, but no, it was a Honda. So. <laughs> no, it was a brand-new Honda Accord. I was very lucky. I always had company cars, and um, and my parents uh, bought me a $50 Corvair when I turned 15. Right. So my right. first car was, was uh, a Corvair, but I probably have many years taken off my life by virtue of driving that car with oil fumes in it all the time so now in all of your automotive adventures is there any like really cool like a barn find story you can share with us or just a fun story of i don't know someone you ran into at a concours that they owned the car forever or i don't know any sort of interesting story you can share with our listeners oh that's uh, uh, yeah there's always a story i mean my my dear friend was bev kimes the late bev kimes and she always said every car has a story and it's your job to tell it Right. And I I remember that. And whenever I write something, uh, after I read it, I say, how would Bev do it? Is this how is this what Bev would say? Because she was a great communicator and a really brilliant uh, writer in terms of making something uh, understandable for a novice or uh, a, a really seasoned, you know, car person. She could do she could make something understandable for everybody. And I always endeavor to do that as well. Uh, that being said, uh, my column in Hemmings is a perfect example. I write about somebody who has a story about their muscle car. And I have met all kinds of characters from people who got their first car when they were 16 and still have their car at age 65. And the trials and tribulations that the car has been through having been stolen having been involved in accidents, not of their fault on the way home from a car show. I mean, all kinds of crazy stories. Most recently, uh, I did a story, uh, and it's, it has not been published yet, but an individual who uh, always sought a particular car, found out the car was coming up for sale. He bought the car. The woman who owned the car had uh, uh, shot her husband, and was in jail for eight years for attempted murder. And uh, once she was released from the jail, he contacted her. They developed a relationship, and she now lives with him. Wow. 
Wow. So she's reunited from her with her car from 1968. Wow. I mean, I have all kinds of crazy stories. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah every really car awesome. has a story. Now, did you judge at Amelia this year? I did, yes. I judged uh, American Classics 19, uh, one, 1914 through 1931 was the class I had. Yes. Okay. Could you walk me through, like, when you first get out there, kind of the concourse judge procedure or what you're looking for as soon as you get out there on the lawn? Sure. There's uh, really two ways in which cars are judged by points or by a concord judging or, or French judging, as it's sometimes called. If, you have, if you're judging by points, you'll have a breakdown of a list of points for each car. Let's assume 100 points is what you're working with. Uh, at the bottom of the page, there will be some sort of discretionary points relative to how the car uh, might have been restored, the appeal, the historical provenance. Did it participate in a tour? Uh, perhaps used as a tiebreaker, but you'll have, let's say, 10 points on exterior, 10 points on engine, 15 points on, uh, uh, you know, body work. I mean, it, it, it's broken down in a specific different uh, segments of the car, and then obviously the car is totaled in terms of its points, and you develop the winner that way. The other way is by French judging, which you take a look at the cars and say, okay, based on after seeing each car, talking to the owner of each car, and hearing something about the car, examining the car, you and your fellow judges make a determination as to what cars place one, two, three, or whatever your order is that you're doing, or number right. of cars that you're doing. And um, I think I I'm of the belief that qualified people that are good at what they do, whether they use points judging or Concor, a French judging, will rank the same car as one, two, or three. I do believe that. Right. Now, in the times I've judged in a Concor, what was interesting is there was, you know, kind of the first car was kind of the baseline, you know? So if you, you go through and you judge that car, and then I thought it was kind of cool. We kept revisiting that car to make sure we were keeping kind of a baseline of quality consistent throughout the cars that we were judging. Is that something that kind of happens as well? That uh, can happen as well. Or I, I think maybe my preferred way of doing it is uh, if I have seven cars in my class, I look at all seven cars from a distance. Then I walk down, confirm the cars that are in fact in my class are what I'm judging to make sure they are the correct cars and something didn't get parked incorrectly or someone's missing for that matter, uh, then I think you go one by one down the cars, you judge that particular car, and as your group of judges, whether they are two or four people, you drop back, have a conversation about the car, and then once you go to the second car, you do the same thing, kind of wash, rinse, repeat, you know, the same deal. And then you come back and say, okay, now how does that car rate to the first car? And then on down the line, three through seven. So I think that it's much the same process. Right. You're, you're always judging against one car. But the difference in, in Concord judging, unlike Mark judging, if you're a member of the Model A club, you look down a line of 15 Model A's. And for all intent and purposes, 
they're a roadster or a sedan or whatever whatever particular type of Model A you're judging, the cars are relatively similar. When you do Concorde judging, you have very dissimilar cars within your class. Right. So you may have a, a Sada Fraschini and you may have a Talbo Lago and a Delahaye and a Delage, and all those cars are very, very different automobiles, but they might all be in the same class. And you have to sort out one through seven, what are your one through eight or whatever the number of cars in the class are, what are the appropriate cars and why you would choose uh, choose that car. I mean, that it, you know, generally judges have a similar feeling, but it's not always the case. You may have people that argue over what car should be first and second or what should be second and third or whatever the case may be, but you have to present your case as to why you think one car should be chosen over another, and then all three parties, ultimately, or four parties, the number of judges in the group, ultimately agree upon a, a common denominator. Right, right. Now, can you tell us who won your class? Um, yes, it was a V16 Cadillac uh, Roadster, a fabulous car, really, really, really wonderful automobile. And the interesting thing is, and here's a very good case in point, it was a 20- or 25-year-old restoration. Wow. car okay. was spectacular. And wow. you would have never known that the car was done many years ago. The owner took just brilliant care of the car. He kept on top of things. It was a super, super high quality restoration when it was done. And it, you know, I had all restored cars in my class except for one original car. And the original car sadly should have gotten some sort of an HVA or a preservation award felt a little out of class in my group, but um, the other cars had, were all restored cars. So, uh, right. Yeah. Right. Okay. And it was really worthy of an award, but um, it just, it was not a good fit relative to the other cars in the class. Right. Right. Okay. Well, I know you don't have one of these cars in your garage, but if you could have any car in your garage, classic, let me clarify that. Uh, what would it be? That's an easy answer. That's actually one question I know the answer to. My favorite classic, so something from uh, 1915 to 1948, recognized by the Classic Car Club of America. Hands down, one car. It was a 32 Chrysler Imperial Victoria with body by Waterhouse. The lady that owned it was a gal by the name of Ethel Leneau, and she was from Louisiana. I saw the car at Hilton Head probably 15 years ago, right after the car had been redone. And it, was, it just knocked me out. And it was eggplant purple with an eggplant purple top, eggplant purple leather. The belt line was an ever so slightly lighter shade of purple. And the pinstripes were kind of Granny Smith apple green. Right. And the car knocked me out. I've never seen a car again that has made such an impression on me. Ironically, years later, she sold the car to John O'Quinn, the attorney in Texas who amassed yep. a seven or 800 car collection and then was killed in a car accident. He had the Futurama bus, right? Uh, I don't think O'Quinn had a, had a, a bus. He, he, he may have. He had okay. everything. So that's entirely, entirely possible. So anyway, he, he passed and his estate gradually put the cars on the market. And the car... Uh, and talk about another kind of a crazy thing. Uh, it's the Amelia Island auction at RM. And oh. <laughs> um, the car appeared. 
and I was with a friend of mine from Texas, and he and I were kind of hanging out, and we were kind of along the side. The place was packed. We were kind of along the side of the room. Uh, a gentleman whom I know who has since passed um, motioned to me, and he said, come here, come over and sit with us. I said, no, I'm not a bidder. I can't sit there. No, 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 come on over and sit. So and my friend and I went over and sat with him. And little did I know, while this was all taking place, he had just bought a Daytona Spider <laughs> for whatever the price was, $1.7 or some crazy number at the time. And he said, that was just too good of a deal. I couldn't pass that up. I was like, okay. So that was a little bit of a sobering bit of reality. So as we're sitting there having a grand old time, one of the guys from RM comes over and said, would you guys mind giving up your seat for Mr. and Mrs. Shelby? Oh, wow. So we got up, and Carol Shelby and his wife sat down, and my friend said, hey, they're in our seats. We ought to at least get an autograph out of this. So we both sent over our programs to him, and he never looked up at us, never looked over at us. He signed them, and his wife handed them both back to us, and that was the end of that story. So now wow. we're back standing along the side of, of the uh, the room, this guy, up comes the Purple Chrysler, the eggplant, eggplant Purple Chrysler. And little, I mean, of all the things, the guy in the room who's one of the bidders is standing next to us. And, of course, we're encouraging him because my friend also <laughs> liked the car. And he goes, I can't. He goes, I have to get rid of a Duesenberg in order to buy this. And we're both like, get rid of the Duesenberg. you got to have this car. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, he ended up buying the eggplant purple Chrysler. I never never saw the man again. The car went somewhere in California, and I've never seen the car again. Wow. Okay. Well, we'll have to find that car. That is very. So that specific. was a long-winded story <laughs> to answer your question. No, no, that's awesome. That was very specific. So I do love that. That's awesome. Well, one of the things I like to do at the end of these conversations is to play a little game. Now, I did not give you a heads up on this, which I just realized, but it's uh -oh. fun. Yeah, it's a little game I call Keep, Cash, or Crush, or And Crush. So I give you three cars, <laughs> and you have to tell me which one you're going to keep forever, which one you're going to cash in, and which one you're going to crush. Okay. And it's meant to be difficult. And not knowing your taste, I pick three American cars. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not three American cars. I pick three convertibles from okay. three different, yeah, from three different decades. Okay. So your first one, and consider them all grade three drivers, you know, nice drivers, not Concor. Uh, so your first one is a, we'll go sequentially, a 1948 Lincoln Continental convertible. That's your first one. The second one is a 1959 Cadillac Eldorado Brits convertible. And the third one is a 1963 Porsche 356B Cabriolet. So those are your three cars, a 48 Lincoln Continental a uh, 59 Caddy, and a 63 Porsche. Uh, so which one would you keep forever, which one would you cash in, and which one would you crush? Well, the easy one is the crush. It would definitely really? be the Lincoln, the Lincoln, because uh, if you would have said it's a 40 Lincoln, that's a whole different story. Oh, okay. um, but that was the probably the most butt-ugly uh, Continental <laughs> that they built by far. So that would be an easily decision for me to easy decision for me to make relative to the car to crush. The car to keep, well, the Porsche would be the easiest to store in terms of the size. So that would be the car. What's my uh, keep drive and what was it? 
I'm sorry. Keep keep cash in and crush. Oh, cash in. Well, I'd cash in on the Porsche because that would be the one that's worth the most money. Okay. And then I'd keep the Eldorado because it's an icon. I mean, not that the 356 uh, is not an icon, but if you would have said a Speedster, mm, maybe I'd feel a little bit differently about that. But that big Eldorado, and then again, it depends upon the color of the Eldorado, you know. If it's right. uh, if it's a white Eldorado, I'm not too excited about it. But if it's red or black, I might feel differently. So, how about pink? Uh, no, definitely not. Would not be <laughs> <laughs> well, I will have to say you're the first guest that got the crush one right off the bat. You're right there. You are ready. That was easy for me of the three cars. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have to remember that game to play that with friends. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about your automotive activities? Go to my Facebook page, which is Bill Rothermel, or because my business website does not have my uh, uh, hobby pursuits on it. But it would be just to go to my Facebook page. And I post some car things on there. Uh, I generally don't uh, post a lot of my car stuff because uh, of uh, being in business. I don't want to give people the impression that all I do is play cars because that's really not the case. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for your time today, Bill. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it very much. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast. <laughs>